Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Morning, City Walk. How are we doing this morning? Morning, those of you that are watching online as well. It's good to have you with us, whether this is uh, your first time or whether you've been coming uh, since we started a few years ago. We're so thankful that you're here celebrating Easter uh, with us. Uh, my name's Chris. I'm one of the pastors here. And one of the things that we love about these types of holidays, and, and really if you're the type of person that, man, loves Christmas and kind of loves those big days, one of the reasons that we love these big days is because usually it brings with it some surprises. So, so maybe you're a man, big fan of like, man, Christmas morning and you love, maybe your favorite part of Christmas is when someone else opens up the gift that you bought them and you're so excited to see kind of their face and their reaction and you've got the phone ready to, to video their reaction and you love those surprises. Maybe for you it's this Easter where you're going to Man, walk with a, a grandkid or with your, your toddler, and, and you're going to do that first Easter egg hunt with them. And they, man, they've never done this, so they're going to grab an egg, and they're going to be so surprised when they open it and find out that there's candy inside of it. And, and man, surprises are a big part of why holidays are special, and, and some of the big memories that we have uh, in our holidays are, are things that are surprises. And as you think about surprises, I want you to I want just ask you a question, and maybe it was today, or maybe it was a few weeks ago, a few years ago, but when's the last time that you felt really surprised? Maybe for you it was, well, when she said yes, when you ask her on a date, and you're like, man, I got dared to ask her, and she finally, <laughs> yes, she said yes. I, didn't, I think a friend paid her, paid her something, because she actually said yes. Uh, maybe for you it's it was the birthday party, and you're the, you're the person in the family that nobody can ever surprise, but they finally got you, and they surprised you at a birthday party. Maybe, it's, maybe it wasn't a good surprise. Maybe it was like, man, I, I went to work. I thought my boss liked me, and then I got to work, and he told me that uh, I would need to find another boss here pretty soon because I can't work here anymore, and, and maybe it was something like that. Uh, maybe it was, I never win anything, and you won the trip or the prize at work, and it was, man, it's totally caught you off by surprise. Or maybe it was the pregnancy test. It was the, hey, I already have two middle schoolers, and my wife goes to CVS on Thanksgiving Day to get newspapers to find out what the Black Friday deals are. And maybe you got a text while you were standing there talking to your friend over pie that said, I'm in the CVS bathroom and I'm pregnant. I just, that's just a scenario. I don't know who that happened to, but that could have happened to you. Uh, hence, Kate, she's nine years old in the, uh, the, in the kids' ministry. Uh, but, but maybe you've been surprised. And, and with surprises, and you know this, surprises come in all shapes and sizes. Some surprises are great. 
They, they have a lot of emotion. Some surprises bring shock, joy, fear. Surprises bring with it a lot of different emotions. And 2,000 years ago, Jesus' closest followers kind of met two big surprises that they weren't expecting and that rocked their world that first Easter weekend. The, the first surprise that really caught them off guard was the death of Jesus. See, these guys and gals, they had given up so much to follow Jesus, and, and they all had a picture of how this thing was going to end, and, and they, had, they had, for the last, for some of them, been following Jesus literally around the countryside for three years, had given up their professions, and then he dies. And, and, and when he died, they were confused, they were hurt, they were afraid, they, they were devastated, they didn't know what to do. They had kind of put everything into this Jesus thing and following him, and he's the Messiah, and then he dies. Maybe for some of you, maybe you're watching online or you're here this morning, you kind of can relate with how they were feeling, because maybe there was a season in your life where you kind of said, hey, I'm going to go all in on this religion thing. I'm going to go all in in this church thing and this religion thing, and and I'm going to try, there's this list that I'm told that if I can keep this ever-changing list and kind of do these things and check these boxes and don't do these things that I, I can maybe get on God's good side. And so you kind of went in, all in. And then you ended up feeling like the followers of Jesus that first weekend, confused, let down, hurt. Maybe to the point, and maybe you wouldn't say it out loud, but you might have thought, kind of, God let you down. And that's what those followers of Jesus were feeling that first few days of the Easter weekend when they had given everything, they had given up everything, they had put so much into this Jesus thing, and yet it all, the bottom fell out. And they were confused. They didn't know what to do. See, for them, the Easter weekend, it started off kind of good. Jesus had said, hey, guys, let's get together. We're going to kind of together, we'll have a meal. We'll, we'll celebrate the Passover, and, and let's, let's kind of gather together and, and have a meal. And, and, and while he was having that meal, Jesus did what he had done a lot of times up to that point, and he clearly told them what was about to happen. He explained to them that, hey, I'm going to die, and, and some things are going to happen over these next few days that, man, it's going to get hard, and it's going to get bad, but, and, and none of you ladies will be shocked by this, but because the men were eating, they didn't hear what was being said. I mean, if you're a lady, your wife, you're like, yes, I try to talk to my husband when he's watching football or eating, and it's just, it's, it's useless, because he doesn't get it. And, and these guys, they, they just didn't get it. Jesus explained it to them, but they didn't get it. And after, after dinner, Jesus asked a few of them, hey guys, would you go with me to this garden and would you spend some time praying with me? And so like, what are you going to say? No to Jesus to ask. I mean, when Jesus says, come pray with me, it's like, I think we're supposed to do this. So yeah, we'll go with you, Jesus. So they went with Jesus and Jesus prayed and they kind of took a nap and and, and it kind of in the middle of their nap, probably between 12.30 and 2 in the morning, while they're in this garden, these guys come, these guards, and they come and they arrest Jesus. And it was in that moment that things 
kind of went from bad to worse. The, the bottom totally dropped out for these guys, and, and really their worst nightmare began to play out. And, and instead of standing with Jesus and kind of following him and, and taking care of him and defending him, they were all scared and they ran. In fact, some of them write about it. Mark says this in Mark chapter 14, verse 50. He says this. He says, then they all deserted him and they ran away. Now a certain young man who we know was Mark, wearing nothing but a linen cloth, was following him. Then they caught hold of him, but he left the linen cloth behind and he ran away naked. It's like, Mark, that might be a little bit more information than we really wanted to have, buddy. Thank you for telling us that. If you're somebody that is kind of skeptical of the Jesus thing and the resurrection, verses like this should at least make you reconsider. Because if you think about it, if you're writing a story and you're kind of making it up to keep a movement moving forward, you're not going to write yourself into the story. I was so scared, I literally ran out of the garden with no clothes on. And you're not going to, a few verses later, write Peter into the story. Hey, Peter was so afraid that when a middle school girl asked him if he followed Jesus, he denied it. You're not going to write yourself into the story like that, but that's what he did because that's what happened. And while his followers were scared and while they were afraid and while they were running, Jesus was being put on trial. He was being falsely accused. He was beaten. He was being beaten unmercilessly. I mean, he was just, it was awful. And then he was sentenced to death by crucifixion. Mark describes his last moments on the cross. In Mark chapter 15, he says this. He says, when it was noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? It was in this moment that Jesus took the sin of all mankind and he was paying the penalty that we deserved so that we would never be abandoned. He was abandoned so that we wouldn't have to be. And it was in that moment that he died. And it says this in verse 37, Jesus let out a loud cry. And he breathed his last. See, for Jesus' followers, things radically changed from what they thought was going to take place. They were caught by surprise. Their, their hope was crushed. Their way forward, which honestly for them, it seemed really clear. The way forward seemed really clear just a few days earlier. But now the way forward was really foggy. And they were afraid. They lacked direction. They didn't have hope. And, and honestly, if the story of Jesus ended with them taking Jesus' lifeless body off the cross and putting it into a tomb then we wouldn't be here today, and if we, were, if we were here, we'd be wasting our time. I know I wouldn't be here today, but it's the second surprise that took place that weekend that really changed everything. Mark tells us this in Mark chapter 16. It says this, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene married the mother of James and Salome bought spices so that they could go and anoint him. 
They obviously thought the guys hadn't done a good job preparing the body, so they were going to come a few days later and fix the boy's problem and kind of make things better. And so they're, they're on their way to the tomb, and it says this, very early in the morning on the first day of the week, they went to the tomb at sunrise. They were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone from the entrance to the tomb for us? It's like, and maybe you've had this happen to you before, where you have a big plan and and you, you got something you're going to go do, and then in the midst of going to do it, there's like a really big piece that you forgot about. And kind of they're having that discussion, like, hey, we're going to take care of the body and, and, and kind of anoint and, and do what needs to be done to a dead body to prepare it. But did, has anybody thought of how we're going to move that stone? That thing's huge. And so they're kind of having this discussion as they walk up to the tomb, and it says this, as they kind of come around the corner and they look up and and are prepared to see this huge stone in front of the mouth of this tomb, it says this, looking up, they noticed that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. So they come around the corner, it's like, oh, okay, good, well, that, that takes care of our problem. And then as they they walk into the tomb, it says this, when they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Verse 6 says this, this person kind of starts to interact with them. It says this, don't be alarmed, he told them, which honestly was probably easier said than done. Like they were caught by surprise here. Like who is this dude in a white robe? This is not what we expected. And now this guy's talking to us. And and, and here's what the guy told him. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they put him. So they they come in and and they see this dude on the right side that's kind of wearing this white robe. And this guy starts to talk to him. And and he says, hey, are you you looking for Jesus, the, the one that was crucified? And it's like, yeah. Okay, well, then you came to the right place. We're talking about the right guy. Well, well, see right here, this is where he was. This is where they put him after he died, right? And yeah, yeah. But he's not here anymore. That this Jesus who died, who was crucified, who was laying right here, the one that you've come for, he's not here anymore. He's risen. He, he's, he's alive. And here's what's interesting about this. One of the many things... Again, if you were making up this story, you would not have written that the women were the first to see that Jesus was alive. Because in this kind of scenario, in this society, women had little to no credibility. And so if you were making up a story, you actually hurt your own credibility by putting in that women were the first to the tomb. And so you know why Mark wrote that Women were first to the tomb because women were first to the tomb that Sunday morning. And we know that Mark got a lot of his information was just firsthand accounts from Peter. They worked together on this. This could, have, could, have, this could be called Peter's book too because they, they worked together on a lot of this. And, and so they're, they're, they, they get to the tomb and they, they don't see the, the body. And, and then the, the guy in the white tells them, hey, go tell the disciples And Peter, that Jesus, he's going to go ahead of them into Galilee, and you will see them there just as he told you. And so the 
The angel tells him, hey, yeah, obviously Jesus isn't here. He's risen. He, he's alive. And he actually, he's ahead of you. He's going to meet you guys in Galilee. He's going to show himself to you. So go tell the boys, go tell the disciples that, hey, Jesus is going to meet up with them. A few years later, Paul, who came to know, followed Jesus a little bit later, actually was someone that hated Jesus and hated the movement of Jesus, did everything he could to stop it. He, he followed Jesus after Jesus appeared to him, and then he wrote a letter to the Corinthian believers in the city of Corinth, and he writes about how Jesus came and who he appeared to. He says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, it says, it says, he appeared to Cephas, who we know that's Peter, and then he appeared to the 12. And then Paul says this, he says, but then he appeared to over 500 brothers and sisters at one time. Most of them are still alive, but some have fallen asleep. He says, man, he saw Peter, and then he went and he spent some time with the 12, but then there was actually a time where Jesus, he, he, he came to people, 500 people at a time, and they all saw him. And Paul, he's writing this a, a few years later, and so he, he literally is saying, hey, if you have questions about that, you can actually go talk to them because some of them have died, but a lot of them are still alive. So man, go talk to Jimmy, go talk to, to Sally, go talk to Jennifer, go talk. Yeah, they were actually there. They were part of that 500. Go talk to them. They saw Jesus. And then he says this in verse seven, then he appeared to James, who was his actual half brother, then to all the apostles. And so Jesus, he has a personal, kind of some personal time with his brother. And we know this, that James wasn't buying into the whole Jesus thing before this. But because he saw his brother risen from the dead, that was the catalyst to James becoming a follower and honestly becoming one of the foundational pieces to the early church because before this moment, he wasn't buying it. But he saw someone who he knew died risen from the dead and it changed everything for him. And then Paul says he, he went to see the other apostles and then verse 8, last of all, as Paul's referring to himself, as to one born at the wrong time, he also appeared to me. Because I, like, I was like those boys. I was, I was like James, man. I was so aggressive against the movement. I was the most aggressive against the movement of Jesus. I, I didn't buy his teaching. I didn't like how he did things. I tried to stop it. And then the risen Jesus came and saw me. And everything changed. Everything changed. See, the, the surprise of Jesus' death caused his followers to be afraid, confused, and without hope. But the surprise of Jesus' resurrection, it transformed them. It, it transformed his followers. It gave them hope. It gave them courage and peace that the rest of the world just didn't have. And maybe you're here or you're watching online, and, and in your spirit, there's there's a little bit of pushback. You're like, which I get. This is kind of a big thing to believe. That someone who died really rose from the grave. Like, you don't see that every day. And so maybe kind of 
in your spirit, you're, there's some pushback, and, and you're saying, you know what? And this would be a valid question, man. What if his followers, in hopes of keeping this movement moving, just kind of made this thing up? Like, like, what if Jesus never rose from the dead? It's a great question. And here's what we know. Both biblical and, and secular historians tell us that the same men who that, that, that night when Jesus was betrayed and, and the night when he was arrested, the, the same men that were so afraid and that literally some of them ran away naked, denied that they even knew him, they were just scared. Those same men, we know from history, gave their lives in a, some of them very, very tough ways. They were tortured and they died in terrible ways for the resurrection. And so here's the thing that just makes sense to me. And if I wasn't willing to stand for you and die when you were alive, why in the world would I go through torture and allow myself to be killed to keep a lie alive? If I wasn't going to stand for you when you were actually alive and, and stand for you then, why in the world would I go through torture? Why would I allow myself to be killed for, to, to move a lie along? Why, why would Peter allow himself to be crucified upside down? Why would John allow himself to be boiled in oil and then he was banished to an island? Why was Thomas speared to death? Why was Paul beheaded? Why would you do that for a lie? I mean, honestly, that's a lot to give up for, hey, we just want to keep this movement moving. That's a lot to give up. But see, these facts and others are why we believe that Jesus paid for our sin by giving his life on the cross, but then three days after they put his body in the tomb, that he rose from the grave. And see, this surprise of the resurrection of Jesus, it transformed his followers 2,000 years ago. But as we just heard in Adam's story, it continues to transform lives today. And we could take time and we could walk through even some of the stories in this room, some of you that are watching online, and we could talk about how God and the fact that he sent his son Jesus to die and rise from the dead, how that has changed everything in our story. See, today, 2,000 years after the surprise of the resurrection, transformation is still happening. And it's evidenced really in a lot of people's stories. And see, the reason Jesus lived a perfect life, died on a cross, was put in a grave and rose from the grave is so that we had that opportunity to have a relationship with God that had been broken. And he healed that relationship by doing what he did for us. And see, here's maybe what you're thinking. All right, Chris. For most people, I get that. But there's some things in my life, there's some things in my past, there's some decisions that I made that I think, if I'm honest, probably disqualify me from that. And here's what I would say. God's not intimidated by your past. 
Like there's nobody on planet earth that he's like, you know what, this death and resurrection transformation, it's available, but there's this, there's this group of people and there's these couple sins and there's these few things that, man, if you step there or you do that one thing, or if, man, that happens on the spring break trip, then you're kind of cut out of this thing. And for some of you, that, that might be what you're thinking, but then there's other people that think kind of the other way. You think God's impressed by your morality. You're like, I get it. See, all this is uh, important for people that need it. And you probably wouldn't say it out loud, but you, probably, but you may think, you know what, but I don't know that I really need it. I definitely know some people that need it, but I'm a good person. And here's what I would say. If being a good person would get you to heaven, if being a good person was all that it took then why are we celebrating Easter? Because Jesus wasted his time and went through torture. If we didn't need what he did, why did he do it? Because it wasn't fun. It wasn't, oh man, don't have anything else to do this Friday night. Let's get this taken care of. No, he, he did this because, man, there was no other way. And maybe you're here this morning or you're watching online and you would say, Chris, Man, I, I don't get everything about the Bible, neither do I. I don't understand all the things about the Old Testament, and there's some things I, I'm still grappling with. I get it. Maybe that's you, but, but maybe you're in a spot where you say, hey, I still have some questions. There's still some things I'm grappling with, but here's what I do know, Chris. Chris, I, I do believe that, man, I am sinful. I do believe that Jesus died for my sin and rose from the grave. And, and even though I don't have all my questions answered, I do want to start a relationship with God. I need Jesus. I need transformation. And if that's you, Maybe you're here and you'd say, hey, Chris, how would I do that? How would I start that relationship with God? Well, first of all, are you willing to admit? Are you willing to admit to God that you've sinned? You admit to God that, you know what, God, I have disobeyed you. God, I have done things my way. Are you willing to admit that? And for some people, this is a step they can't get past. They, they don't want to admit that they actually need God. And it starts with this. We have to admit that we've sinned. But then the scripture says that there's, there's another step we need to believe. We need to believe that, that when Jesus died on the cross and he rose from the grave, that that wasn't just a great thing that he did for other people, but he did that for me. I needed that. For some people, they think, oh, that's, that's something that he did as a great example of love, or that's what he did for other people. Well, if, if that's what you believe, then you don't have a relationship with God. You have to believe that he did that because you needed it, and I needed it. But then the third thing is this. You got to come to him and say, you know what? I want that relationship. I want that transformation. I want you to change me from the inside out. I want to, when, when life is over, I want to spend eternity with you in heaven. I want a relationship with you. If that's you today, if you're watching online or you're here this morning, what better day than to start a relationship with God than Easter Sunday? Let's bow our heads, close our eyes.
The band's going to come here in a second. But as we close, I want to just give you an opportunity to just kind of think personally. Just think personally for yourself and kind of evaluate for yourself, do I have a relationship with God? Not do I know a lot about God, not do I do a lot of nice things for people, but do I have a relationship with God? Is that what I have? If you're here this morning or you're watching online and you would say, Chris, you know what? To be honest, I don't think I do. I don't think I do. Uh, I think I'm a pretty good person. I do some good things, but at the end of the day, I, I don't have a relationship with God. In the quietness of this room or wherever you're watching this or listening to this, are you willing to just, like we said, admit to God that you've sinned? You've broken his commands. You've done things your way. You willing to admit that? You willing to believe that when Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave, that he did that not just for everybody else, but he did that for you because you needed it. And then are you willing to just call? Say, God, would you come into my life? Transform me. I want a relationship with you. If you're here this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed, or you're watching online, and you would say, Chris, today, that's what I want to do. I want to start a relationship with God. Well, I'm going to just lead you in a simple prayer. And this prayer isn't a magic prayer. In fact, prayer is just us talking to God and telling him what we believe in our heart. So I'm going to lead us in a prayer out loud. But if you're here this morning and you would say, today's the day. Today's the day that I want to start a relationship with God. Just between you and God in the quietness of your heart right now, just, just say something like this. God, I admit to you that I've sinned. I've disobeyed you. I admit that. Just tell him. And then just tell him, God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave for me. I believe that. And then just ask, God, would you come into my life? Would you transform me? Would you give me a home in heaven? With every head bowed and every eye closed, whether you're watching online or you're here this morning. If you prayed and you started a relationship with God, as I was praying out loud, you were praying to God in your heart. Man, I'd love to know about that. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here this morning and you'd say, Chris, today I prayed to start a relationship with God, would you just look up at me? I'm not going to embarrass you. Just all over the auditorium. Just look up at me. Anybody else? For those of you that are looking at me, I know that there's several of you. There's, there's one thing I would love for you to do is there's a little card right in front of you that just says decision. And as we kind of close out our service, I would, I'd love for you to just take that card and fill that out. You can just literally leave it right in the pew because we'd love to know about your decision. I'd love to text you or call you once this week just to see if you have any questions, see if there's any way we can help you. 
you're watching online, you can go to citywalk.cc and there's a card there that you can fill out that we'll get as well. And so if you would do that for us, we would love to rejoice with you about your decision for Jesus. Lord, I thank you for the fact that we can have hope, not because we deserve hope, not because we've done anything to earn hope, but simply because we trust in the one who has And Lord, I pray that that message of Jesus' death and resurrection would transform us, not just on Easter Sunday, but would be transformational every single day of the year. In Jesus' name.